Welcome to the Goblin's Creek Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Sasha. Uh, have a good episode. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> uh, welcome to our review of the third film in the Coogler B. Jordan cinematic universe, um, Black Panther. Just as, what? The Black Panther. The Black Panther. No, it's oh, just called no, Black Panther. No, it is just Black Panther. But just as an aside, um, speaking of the Coogler B. Jordan cinematic, you know, we should mention the other two. I haven't seen Fruitvale Station yet. I, I need to. I see yeah, we definitely should. But Creed, Creed, I will just go ahead and say, is in my top four favorite films of all time, probably. Oh. Just in terms of my attachment to it and how much I enjoy it. I mean, we used to just watch scenes all the time. It, I love Creed. Creed it's Creed really just one of my favorite films. Um, yeah. It's a good, yeah. It's a great, it's it's really good that that movie exists, just as like, I was <laughs> a fan of like Rocky. Yeah. It didn't end up being this just like, the fact that there was another like great movie that was like the seventh in the history of it, like, yeah, is kind of redeems making that many of them mm-hmm. in some ways. No, certainly. So that makes me happy. No, it, it it's a great continuation of like the Rocky cinematic, the yeah. RCU. And I, when I yeah when I read the um, like one of the early reviews that I that I think was like really apt was that it doesn't. It uses the, like, Rocky canon. Like, how important Apollo Creed is to the first four Rocky movies. Like, he fights Apollo Creed in the first two. Like, Apollo Creed is, like, really embedded. And then he dies. And then he's... I think he helps train Rocky. He does. He helps train Rocky. And then he dies in the fourth one. Yeah. And, like, all of that is relevant. Like, that relationship is... Like, using Creed... It's a wonderful continuation of that relationship. Yeah. It, like... So it's like, it's not, it's not just about, it's not just like Rocky again. It's not just like a good version. It's just not, it's not just like a modernization of the original film. No. It's like, it is that, but it also uses all of the like lore. And it's like, there's a way for the lore to like muck everything up. Mm-hmm. But in Creed, they do it a really clean job. Well, it's also, it's a movie that's also not too reverent of Rocky. Rocky yeah. certainly has, there is, certainly is a reverence is that a Adonis has for Rocky. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of like rock the RCU, like what I think is one of the most interesting decisions that movie makes is right off the bat, Adonis is an illegitimate child. Yeah. Um, he is not the son, he's not the biological son of Apollo's wife. Yeah. And then Rocky, Rocky is still kind of rough in that movie. I mean, he, there's, there's that wonderful scene, um, yeah. the, the can, the soup, the soup scene yeah. where he's, where he's like Adonis, we're not. Well, it's like Rocky is a complex character. He's a complex like, character. He's still a very sympathetic character. Yes. Like he's. But he's still complex in that he is kind of like fallen by the wayside. And it, there is something beautiful about like, there aren't a lot of other, there are almost no re- other returning characters from No, Rocky's it feels so past. purposeful. And so it's like, you can tell that he really needs kind of Adonis. Well, um, and it, it's a movie about aging and about aging and masculinity in a way that's very like very interesting and that comes from um ryan coogler's relationship with his own father who was obsessed with the rocky movies and would before because ryan coogler played uh football in high school and then in college um before every game his dad would play um i think it might have been rocky four i don't know which rock i can't remember which rocky movie it was specifically but like there was like a reverence for that film that 
um, the Googler family kind of had. Yeah. Um, and you can really feel that in the movie specifically. I remember when we got into it a couple years ago, we compared it to The Force Awakens. And it's an apt comparison, but I have to say, I just, I think Creed, if if you are drawing that comparison, Creed just, I think, is like a richer continuation. If That's you're, true. If you're looking at specifically TFA um, and not like the extended yeah. sequels. That's interesting. Um, I they're, they're so different because they're so different in terms of genre. Yeah. Um, but they're 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 aiming. They have these sort they of similar are goals. Re- rebooting, yeah, like classic '80s franchises mm-hmm. that many many people have a deep attachment to. No, it's true. Well, I think I do. I yeah, I give it to Creed. I think because like what Creed is doing with Rocky is more interesting than what TFA does with Han. And yeah. I like TFA. I like a lot. TFA and I like, I like and TFA. I do and I even like Han and TFA. I'm I not like the I'm not like I well. I like the decision that he and Leia are kind of like divorced, they're estranged. Like they're part I like yeah. I, I this is not a knock against how Han is written in that film. No. Um, by any means, but... But Sylvester Stallone kind of delivers... Like <laughs> Sly Stallone. Yeah. This is of... the second time we've talked about Sly Stallone. Yeah, this is our... not... No, it would not be the first time. review. Um, no, well, he has a role in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That is cool. But, like, I think that he, he delivers, like, a very powerful performance, and, like, it's a, it's a little... He's given him more than Han is. He is. Because I do Han is just one of many characters in TFA, even if he's one of the more important ones. Mm-hmm. And of the like trilogy of like Leia, Luke, and Han, like TFA is Han. But it's yeah. also like it's not it like TFA has to intru- like has to introduce like Kylo Finn and Ray and Poe mm-hmm. at the same time. And so it's like there's a lot more like this really like there's Tessa Thompson, there's who uh, what's her name in Creed? Uh, what what is her name in Creed? Marianne. Apollo's wife? No, 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 no. Tessa Thompson's character. Oh, Bianca. Bianca. Yeah, so there's Bianca, and there's Adonis, and there's Sylvester Stallone, and the, like, universe of major characters doesn't really extend that No, much that's true. That. It's dealing with a much smaller cast. Than and the other guys. characters, like Marianne and um, fucking Pretty Ricky Conlon. Pretty Ricky Conlon! I do love Pretty Ricky Conlon. <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, uh, also, uh, shouts out to Baby Blue's um, Max Kellerman <laughs> yes. for his uh, cameo in that film. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but like Marianne and, and like Pretty Ricky don't take up that much space. No, they really don't. So no. like it really it, there's not there's only a handful of characters in those movies that really it's more of a it's it's a more like serious film yeah. than um, TFA. Well, but. and when we're when we're comparing Rocky and Han specifically. Um, Rocky is just dealing with a lot more like I said he's dealing with he's dealing with aging with mortality with illness yeah. um, with masculinity the fact the fact that he used to be like a, a like a major major athlete yeah. and can now no longer move and Han is dealing with the estrangement of his wife ex-wife and the loss of his son but the, yeah. it's not nearly as no they're not rich. engaging with him thematically yeah. in the same way it's like well like TFA is more like kind of like Shakespearean in some ways or just like dramatic and like well there's I guess what I'm saying is it's like it's about a space war yeah um it's called Star Wars like TFA is kind of kind of, it feels like it could happen in real life yeah like, and, and it's like rooted in Philadelphia and Creed like, Creed yeah, yeah Creed yeah. yeah yeah um it's rooted in Philadelphia yeah um in a way that like TFA is like 
It's well, it's, I like Jakku, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of the reason why I think Creed is worth talking about before getting into Black Panther is because um, Black Panther was only Ryan Coogler's third film. Yeah. And he started with Fruitvale Station, which was a very small project, um, very, mm. very small project that got a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah. Um, and that the, criti- the critical acclaim that he got from Fruitvale Station is what got him Creed because he had al- he already had like the Creed script, the idea. Yeah. He'd already tried to approach Sylvester Stallone about it yeah. and he had not been interested because he didn't want to revive franchise essentially yeah um and then it was fruitvale station that made sylvester stallone go wait a minute maybe this guy's on this maybe this yeah. is someone i want to work with no it was a great idea. um and then so then you see that creed is creed is a bigger project um it's it's ip um there's a lot more money involved there's a lot more like famous actors involved um yeah. and then from there he segues on to like a huge a huge, huge project enormous. um a project yeah. that abba duvernay was originally signed on for like just this massive project but i think working in those stages i think probably prepared him for a little bit for what he was going to do like undertaking black panther yeah um and i'm glad that they got someone who and this is not me like trying to shade ava duvernay or anything but i'm glad that they got ryan like someone who was like doing these like very small stories i'm glad that they got the guy who did creed (laughs) i'll always be happy about that no for sure yeah um because this movie has a this movie has a lot going on (laughs) I will say that and part of part of the challenge for Ryan Coogler just stepping into this uh, lore and what he was going to undertake was establishing Wakanda as a country um, and as this real real like lived place in Africa Um, because we get we get Black Panther and we get kind of the mantle and we get T'Challa in Civil War. Yeah. But it's it's almost it's similar to how (laughs) Atlantis isn't actually explored in like the DC universe yeah, until yeah, um, Aquaman. until Aquaman, it's so it's kind of similar to that. Yeah. Um, and it was it's really this vast undertaking to imagine what an isolationist but incredibly wealthy and incredibly advanced like mm-hmm. almost they're really almost fan like it. There's this fantasy element to it because of the monarchy. Yeah. yeah. Um, what that would look like. Um, yeah. and also the a lot of the technology verges on fantasy because yeah. it becomes so powerful and so vague like yeah. the suit is very similar to kind of the nanotech that we see yeah. in infinity war in that way no, yeah but it's a really refreshing setting for the MCU. i will say that it's interesting no, to be outside it's, of America. it's really 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 coolly designed like there's like that's what maybe the thing that this movie has going for it that none of the other mcu movies mm-hmm. have going for it is like the amount that was put into the design and the kind of texture of the world like i think specifically about like and the music the music as well very much and not i mean same composer from creed by the way no that's really cool but um and but using specifically like clearly like african music um to like set the tone and then like i don't know i think about like um like, the way they show everyone on the way to, like, the challenge. Yeah. Um, it's, like, a really cool... Like, everything. And, like, all of the outfits. No, all the costumes. Yeah. Like... It was important to... You yeah. can tell that it was important to the vision of this film that that was showcased. It's rich. And it's important to the, to the success of the film, too. Yes. It's rich. It's rich. It's clear that that's where a lot of the money went. Yes. And <laughs> it's worth it. And mm-hmm. you get something that is kind of unique. And it's layered in the way that um, 
characters are costumed individually. Like, I'm thinking specifically of Shuri, who they're reimagining, who they're imagining as this teenager in our world who is still a teenager and is, like, very much at the forefront of, like, technology and, like, modernization in this country. Um, and so her outfits and her costumes reflect that in ways that are still so clearly very, like, Wakandan. Um, yeah. within like the context of her country which is like very very cool yeah no that's true um yeah shuri is like one of the more relatable characters um yeah shuri really works yeah um, well shuri and t'challa's relationship is very sweet um yeah. and because she's kind of she's his kid's sister so their really like their relationship is not necessarily as like there's not a there's not a lot of depth to it in the same way that would that you might see with say like Gamora and Nebula, yeah. Um, just because there, there's more history there. They're more around the same age. I just mean, I guess that T'Challa and Shuri's relationship is kind of simplistic, and that it's they they love each other and they support yeah, one another. Yeah, no. Well, there's not like there's not a complication. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine and it works and it, yeah. it makes their it, their relationship is very sweet in this movie. Yeah, yeah. No. How do we feel about T'Challa in this movie? So I like T'Challa is very likable in this mm-hmm. movie, but. It's also clear that he is kind of softened compared to Civil War. Yeah. Where in, like, Civil War, he's on this, like, quest. He's, in Civil War, he's kind of on this, like, unilateral quest for vengeance. I mean, yeah. he gives He gives, like, a beautiful speech that he's very angry to Natasha early in Civil War, where he's like, in my country, death isn't the end it's like more of a stepping off point mm-hmm. and he's kind of like fuck that my dad's dead i'm gonna kill whoever's responsible <laughs> yeah and you're kind of like yeah fuck, go, go for, for it go for it yeah go for it yeah sure like yeah like you 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 have to right you have to take him seriously and like you have to kind of, and the way and then the way he goes from that to like fucking up bucky he's <laughs> yeah. fucking up cap in the previous cap movie it's like you have to take him seriously. You have to take him as like a threat, and mm-hmm. like have to take him. And then like his, and then and then he gets like a he does get like a full arc in that movie because he has that other beautiful scene with Zemo. With Zemo. <laughs> and it's like he has to he has to reconcile more with himself in Civil War. Like there's you know, and he is like on Iron Man's side, yeah. so he's like semi antagonistic, like towards these characters that we care about. Well, that's one of the cool things that's cool about Civil War, though, is that you see characters that you would otherwise like being antagonistic to other characters that you like, which doesn't really happen otherwise in the MCU. Yeah. Um, well, you, you see it, but it's always like this, oh, yeah, this is the requisite, like, Avenger versus Avenger fight in an Avengers movie. But yeah, before like, they team up for the big bad. Before they team up for the big bad. But in Civil War, it's like from the beginning, these people are fighting each other for real. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I like T'Challa in this movie... But he's we I the way I would put it is he's way more clearly kind of a role model figure. Yeah. And way more of like a kind of not I mean he's a king, but he's kind of an everyman in that he's just like trying to do his best. And yeah. Like he's inherited a lot of responsibility and like Well, there's a line his father has where you're a good man. Um yeah. and it's hard for a good man to be king. Yeah. Um like the thing about T'Challa in this movie is that he's fundamentally a good person. Yeah. Um yeah. and I'm not saying that he has to be like a villain by any means. Um yeah. but he is a good person. Well, and so part of that for me is the scene where he argues with his dad in, on the ancestral plane. I noticed kind of on my rewatch this time around. It almost feels like it happens just because that's the 
point in the movie where T'Challa has to argue with his dad. Yeah. Um, I like that scene. I like that scene. I guess I'm still trying to track how T'Challa's arc works in this yeah. movie for me. I will say another thing that I did rewatch that made me think it does, or on rewatch I thought really did work was, and it's it's kind of subtle, but when Killmonger first shows up into the palace room, yeah. he is demanding that T'Challa, who knows who he is and who he knows he knows who he is, acknowledge the fact that he is his cousin. Yeah. And T'Challa is given multiple opportunities and is asked by multiple people, who is this guy? Yeah. And T'Challa, like his father, turns his back on him yeah. and says, take him away before he is willing to acknowledge who he is publicly yeah. um, to the tribal leaders present no, and to his sure. family. Yeah, he's making the same um, mistake. He's making the same mistake. It's yeah. subtle, and I think that's part of why I kind of miss it yeah. on my first rewatch and why it makes his arc, I think... In some ways more complicated. In some ways I more think complicated. what I will say about this movie is that it's it has by far the most complicated politics of any, any MCU certainly, movie and it has the most sophisticated political commentary of any yeah. MCU movie and it's not close like when you look at something like Civil War it's like <laughs> Civil War is like a joke by yeah. comparison to like what you can take seriously in this movie um, but the plot is not too complicated yes. in that it is its themes are complex for adults its plot is simple because it is meant to appeal to kids. Yeah. It does appeal to kids. There's no, it's an MCU movie and it's Black Panther and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it isn't it's it's plot and it's and who you're supposed to be rooting for. Like, well maybe I mean this is kind of well, the one thing I'll say before we get to Killmonger was right debate is that and, and you know what what's funny about that is I think one of my the well, sorry, I'll say the thing I was going to say first. Like the, like with Thor in Infinity War, I talked about this, like, mm-hmm. you'll die for that is, like, one of these things that, like, echoes in my head. And anytime anyone does anything, like, that I feel like slights me, I, like, I think of that line. It, like, die for that. You'll, you'll die for that. Like, he pauses after you'll die and then for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Chris Hemsworth's voice, which, like, resonates with me. Um, like, you were all wrong. You yes. were wrong. You were all, that's another one. That like sticks with me and no. it's like something that like I like it's like a it's like a gift that exists in my brain for but it's like invisible, it's just the sound of it. And as opposed to the gift where it's the image of the words, mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a sound in my head that is like stayed with me. But like so I like that scene. It's like anytime that happens, it's because something like resonates in a very like yeah. basic emotional way. Okay, the other thing I was gonna say was that this connects to the first conver- one of the first conversations we ever had as friends when we were in the city, we were at Chelsea Market. Yes. Um, and we were talking about Black Panther fairly recently. I remember, yeah, yeah. We talked we talked about that movie extensively when we, we did were talk first about becoming it. friends. And so this is okay, so this is kind of the Killmonger was right thing. Like Well actually can I just make one point about yeah. the Civil War versus Black Panther comparison yes, yes, and yes, when yes. it comes to politics. Yes. With Civil War we frequently would basically be like once you actually try to engage with this movie with its real geopolitical like implications, it falls apart. Yeah. Black Panther, I feel like, is working to make sure that's not the case. Yes. Because Black Panther is like, okay, Wakanda is an isolationist African country that is technologically advanced beyond any other it, country, is yeah. wealthy beyond any other country. What does this mean for other Africans who live in the diaspora? Yeah. And who are subjugated to anti-blackness all around the globe to yeah. violent, violent anti-blackness. Yes. Um, that's something that just cannot be ignored. It cares about the implications of its fantasy. Yes. 
while um, still, I think, allowing um, people the room to love and engage with that fantasy, yes. it still is also like, we're not going to ignore what the implications here are. No, and that and that's why it's thematically so strong. Mm-hmm. So the Killmonger was right thing. Like, I get why people have that, like, sympathy. Here's my thing. I don't think... There, I feel like, to me, there are tangible ways this movie could make that question more complicated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it chooses not to. Like, look, man, like, does Killmonger have a point? Of course. Of course. Of course. He also picks a woman up by the throat. <laughs> like, he picks an old woman up by the throat. That's after he shoots his girlfriend. Yeah, he so shoots his girlfriend. Or, I mean, I don't really know what the relationship is. Well, it's one thing is, that you no pointed reason. out that I think is supposed to be clear, which is, like, T'Challa's relationships with women... Killmonger's relationships with women and you're and I feel like in the kind of like role model way you're supposed to take from a very you're supposed to be like you know this is why I like T'Challa in some ways and this is why Killmonger is definitely the villain like and I think that that I think that that is like intentional like there's a way to make Killmonger even like people I guess my thing is like I, I had a conversation with my friends from college and I was like Killmonger, well, I think walking out of the theater, I was like, Killmonger, yeah. I wish Killmonger had been more nuanced. Yeah. Um, and which is not to say that he's not nuanced at all. Mm-hmm. I think he is. But like... His pain is very nuanced. His pain is very... Well, his pain comes from a deeply nuanced place. And of course, this is the point in the podcast where we probably have to say, this This is two white people giving a review yeah. of Black Panther. Yeah. Um, if you know us, you know. But if yeah. you don't, we're both white. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, so you have to... That's what, you know, yeah. that's what it is. But I, um, I'm not, we're not pretending to be experts by any means, but yeah. this is just our engagement with it. Yeah, this, and it's like, I believe in like Killmonger, like Killmonger is nuanced, but it's also like, there are, mo- like there's a line where he's like, we're going to kill all of these oppressors. And it's like, okay, nuanced. Nuanced, and something we it, could engage with. And then he goes, and their children. <laughs> and I'm like, what, you know, it's like, but then it's like, okay, the movie doesn't want him the movie doesn't want you to get that confused. Yeah. Because it, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that it's, it's for children it's and for nobody children. wants Well, it's to, an MCU movie. And it's an MCU movie. And so it's like, Killmonger has these nuanced dimensions to him more than most MCU villains, especially when you get into like the political dimension yes. of it. And the, and the, you know, the kind of societal commentary and the like global commentary, um, the geopolitical commentary, I guess I should say. But like, at the same time, like I, I don't, like I think he's a clear villain. Yes. Th- kind of throughout. I mean, like, but at the same time, he's a he's an interesting villain. He's an interesting villain, certainly. Yeah. Well, and I think in the same scene that you were just referencing, he explicitly compares the future of Wakanda to that of the British Empire. Yeah. In the language, the sun will never set on the Wakandan Empire. Yeah. Um, and or the sun will. I don't even know if he says empire, but he says the sun will never set on like. Or maybe he, I think he might actually say Wakandan Empire. I don't recall, but I, I, it could be that. But, yeah. come on. We, yeah. know, we know what that phrase alludes to. Yeah. Um, and I think, kind of on rewatch, what I came away with was um, the thing about um, Killmonger is that he doesn't show up to Wakanda with dreams. I mean, he has dreams of liberation, yeah. but those entail him being an emperor. Yes. He doesn't show up and dissolve the monarchy no. or even he doesn't have a problem with the monarchy he doesn't have a problem with the he monarchy. utilizes the monarchical system that exists to make himself a king yes and when he ha- when he and t'challa have their fight he that's when we get more into the fact that he trained with the cia he's a cia operative yeah and he tells t'challa i've killed people in iraq 
Afghanistan, all over the world. I've killed my own brothers and sisters on this continent Yeah. to get here. Um, and that's very complicated. No, it is. And it's, it it's is. something where, because you can understand his vision for the future, you can understand how he might see those sacrifices as worth it. Yeah. But it's also like, what are you, what are you, you trained in service of the, you trained and worked in service of the American empire. Yeah. And that is very, very hard to just turn away from. Dismiss. Dismiss. No, I mean, it's like, even if you had this lofty goal of worldwide black liberation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he is like, you know, he is complicated but it is, I think that's my thing, is it's like, he's complicated for the MCU, way complicated for the MCU, but this movie is still like, he's like a bad dude. Yeah. And that's why he's T'Challa's enemy. Like, no. It's clear, like... And he's, um, he's a bad dude in a way that I found, he's, he's kind of humorous in ways I don't think yeah. when this movie first came out, people were like talking about as much. Yeah. Like... Like, after he robs the museum and he jumps into the back of the ambulance, yeah. he just, like, grabs his, like, girlfriend, like, assassin and starts making out with her. And yeah. I remember I was like, just so you know, Killmonger fucks. Um, yeah. Like, he does have Well, this, he's like, supposed to be cool. He's supposed to be cool. And, and like, he is yeah, funny, like, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, but his some of the humor is him being intentionally humorous, and some of it, I think, is just, like, the moment is funny. Yeah. Um, and they kind of, like, vary stuff, like, in between. And it's no, not bad true. by any means, but I did find him, like, pretty funny at times. <laughs> no, that's really true. Yeah, no, he, he is kind of funny. And something that I actually also noticed um, in the scene where he shows up at the palace when it's yeah. the T'Challa, or the scene with T'Challa that I talked about earlier, um, yeah. he is so out of place with the formality uh, with the regality and formality of, like, the Wakandan monarchical yeah. politics. But he also doesn't give a shit. And he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. Well, he brings an Americanness yes. to this ancient monarchy. Well, that's kind of really what it is. It's this African-American identity versus this, like, Wakandan, but African, like, yeah. identity. No, that's true. Um, I guess, like... I guess what I, what I want to be clear about, just because of what I said earlier, is just that, like, I want... I, it's not that I'm not sympathetic to Killmonger. Like, I feel like this is my frustration. I talked to this specific friend about Killmonger, and when I said, oh, Killmonger... I wish Killmonger had been more nuanced. I, the response I got was kind of like, oh, you're not... You don't see the nuance of this villain? And yeah. it's like, no, I do. It's just like... It's are, almost too easy to dismiss. Yeah, it's like, there are changes. I wish this character had been even... I wish that this this character's actions had and motivations had been as complex as their like old end goal. Well, of. it it honestly reminds me of Vulture. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in line with the way that radicals are often portrayed in media, in American media specifically, yeah. wherein the foundations of their beliefs are radical, but their actions and their plans are not consistent with that radical yeah. ideology. They're morally bankrupt. They're morally bankrupt. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's Bane-esque as well. Yeah. And the Dark Knight Rises yeah. and that. Um, Zemo. Zemo it's too, kind of frankly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I love that. Well, just sorry. This is another Civil War thing. I, say, <laughs> but like, I do love that Zemo, that, that we like, 
Thunderbolt Ross, in the same movie that Thunderbolt Ross calls the Avengers an American paramilitary group, Zemo refers to them, refers to his mission of destroying them as the fall of an empire. Yes. No, like, I love, I love that line. It's really cool. It is really cool. And while we're still talking about Killmonger 2, we should talk about Sterling K. Brown. Oh, Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown, for fans of the pod who were there for um, the episode where we watched This Is Us while... I love that. Um, that was Gabba Gultron. That was Gabba Gultron. Yeah, it was a um, special episode. A very special episode for a very special, special episode. episode yes. um, Sterling K. Brown is maybe one of my... I think, I, unequivocally, Sterling K. Brown is one of my favorite actors working. Yeah. In the industry. Yeah. Um, see, like, if you want to talk about, for me personally, like, how much joy have I gotten out of an actor in the past year? I don't know if someone passes Sterling K. Brown in terms of just how I've relied on him to be just a regular... Pro- Besides, Ben Mendelsohn and him in the past <laughs> year are, like, the two people where I'm, like, I'm going to watch so as much of you as I can on screen because I just enjoy it so much. And this movie, Black Panther, that is, um, came out our sophomore year of college... Yeah. And that was the year that we both took TV writing and we were required to watch This Is Us. Yeah. So that was the year that I was introduced to Sterling K. Brown, basically. Because yeah. no. I had I don't think no, I had seen too. anything with him before. Me hand. too. Because, uh, no. I, and I, I was just seen, blown away. I hadn't seen away. anything of him before This Is Us. And it's like, you know, the, one of the reasons This Is Us is such a cultural behemoth. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's on the decline. But, um, obviously. F. But, like, F... <laughs> F for a fake one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not Sterling K. Brown, just This Is Us, this on is the us whole. as a whole. Yeah. Um, even though it's a show that I have seen so much of and, and do. You rewatched it like three biz- full times. I do love it. I do love it, but it is, it's not, a, it's, it is, I would it's not, not describe as it as authentic. As yeah. As, as authentic Americana. Like yeah. that, it is a fake form of Americana. But Sterling K. Brown is part of the reason that show like went as far as it did. Like mm-hmm. he was no certainly he, certainly it, he like, he has an Emmy or maybe yeah. even more than one. I I can't. Remember. I know he does, but yeah. like he like they rode him to like being taken seriously. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Sterling K. Brown is like the best actor on that show. Yeah. And he is probably the best actor in this even though he doesn't get that even though he's not in that much of it. I would I honestly agree. Yeah. I mean I will say like. Forrest Whitaker is there. Forrest Whitaker does a great job. Uh, but but with the amount... Well, and what it is is Forrest Whitaker, um, he's not in... Like, the, char- the character of Zuri is in those yeah. flashbacks, but it's a different actor. It's a different actor. So he doesn't get as much um, screen time I as love Forrest Whitaker's character in this stuff. No, well, and um, when Killmonger kills him and he calls him Uncle James, that yeah. was something I didn't realize until this rewatch, and that was really heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Um, and it's clear they had a relationship. Well, and part of what Sterling K. Brown characters in Njobu, um, what's really interesting about those early scenes rewatching them is that he explicitly references um, CIA, FBI infiltration. And Zuri is, he is unknowingly being infiltrated by Wakanda kind of at the same time, his no. radical movement. And yeah. it's, it's, it's completely undercut by, um, and to be fair, I, if I remember correctly, Njobu has a similar plan as Killmonger and that he's going to distribute those weapons. The thing is, I don't even remember what... I don't know if his plan is ever... Expl- Here's the thing with Njobu. I don't know if his plan is ever explicitly, like, expressed. And no. I, it, it I probably is. His plan, his plan is to distribute weapons. I don't know if it's to the same end that Killmonger Yeah, says. and like to whom, because it's, I mean, just from the fact that he's talking about like, we're going to be on this corner over here, and like, no, it seems like it's just within Oakland. No, it, um, yeah. 
I don't I don't know. Like I feel like it's vague. And, it is vague. And so I don't really know, so I won't speak to that entirely. But it is like there is also a sense that he has this vague plan to like arm certain people, which yeah. like you know but like at the same time it's like most of what happens is that like he's there and then the Wakandans shows up and then he's like lists all of these entirely legitimate concerns entirely legitimate and concerns. then gets stabbed in the stomach yeah. by claws no it, like that is a little bit what happens it is kind of what happens um i will say Njobu aids claw like he the claw yeah. of it complicates things and Wakandans do die in that process yeah. but also i can imagine from Njobu's perspective what are a few Wakandans dying for the liberation of black people in America? For black people yeah. in Oakland. Um, yeah. And those those moral additions, those moral yeah. like, mathematics are not, I don't want to get into them because it's, I don't think it's worth like yeah. debating, but I can, you understand that kind of rationalization. And that yeah. was, Mjogu should have had his day in court. Or yeah. ma- like, M- I, he, I understand he should not have, He should not have been murdered. He should not have been yeah. executed. No, basically. that seems a little bit extreme. Especially in the way that he was and with yeah. his... Well, that's the thing. With his son who was then abandoned. Yeah, and totally abandoned. And who... His son who presumably came home and found his dead father's yes. body. I think actually there's a shot of him holding his... Is I don't recall. Okay. But you might be right. Um, um, I don't. I don't. I feel like the scene ends after he gets killed, but I don't recall. The scene does end after he gets I feel killed, like, but I'm I'm kind of remembering when they like have that conversation looks, in the ancestral plane. In the ancestral, well, the, that is to me the best scene in the movie. It, it absolutely um, is, and it's what makes Killmonger as nuanced and complicated as he is. As he is yeah. And I will say, my us saying Sterling K. Brown gives the best performance and is the best actor here is not a knock on Michael B. Jordan or anyone no, else's performance no. because Michael B. Jordan in the ancestral plane scene. Fucking delivery. I think Chadwick Boseman does a good job. Chadwick Boseman does a good job as well, um, too. I think yeah, too. no, Tanaka does a good job. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> um, you know, um, we haven't talked about this as much, but we're, we're denied Guerrero fans. Um, we are. We're big. Well, we're. We are. Yeah. We're walking. We're big on Walking Dead and er. Shoney's. Well, anyone's <laughs> relationship with yeah. Walking Dead is complicated. Yeah. But walk, Walking Dead at its best, and like, look. This is my spicy take about Walking Dead. Like, I get that season one is kind of, in some ways, hard to argue isn't the best season. However, it's like, to me, that's just not what the show really is. It's not what the show is and what it becomes. And to me, it's like seasons three, four, and five, up until, and six, to a lesser extent, basically up until Glenn's death. Like, that, to me, is what Walking Dead really is. Because that's, once they get to the prison, it becomes a little bit more fantasy. Yeah. Um... A little bit more of like a biblical journey. Yeah. Um, like I get, I get why people th- like are like the first season's the best. Like I'm, I don't think that's. I'm not gonna like take issue with that, but it's like personally, like my attachment is not to season one over yeah. like season four. Um, and like all of my favorite seasons in the show is there is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, no, certainly. And Denagarira Dur- is an incredibly talented actor. She's yeah. also a playwright. I'm pretty sure. I haven't oh, read anything by her, but that. she's That's yeah, cool. she's also a uh, writer. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o also gives a good performance. Great performance yeah. as Nakia. The supporting cast. This is this movie has a strong supporting cast. No, um, I will just. I don't want to speak too much to Alex's opinions on this movie without him being here to speak for himself. Yeah. Um, but when we had these conversations with Alex about Black Panther a couple of years ago, one of his biggest critiques um, was that he thinks that the supporting cast, or he thought, I should say, because, again, I don't want to speak yeah, no, too for specifically sure. for him, but um, he felt that the supporting cast was 
had too many characters and so they didn't get as much depth as they could have. Yeah. I honestly don't think that's true for Nakia and Okoye. I here's my thing. I think I, I think Nikki and Okoye have to be different characters. No, I agree. I mean like well I I feel like I'm kind of betwixt the two of you because I do I do feel like I have like I, I can see some of that criticism just in that and but it's like it's not like I would like a Nakia it's not like I would like would want to destroy or amalgamate yeah. those or characters. Yeah. Like it's not it's not like I don't know what I would do, but like there is a thing of like the cast is stacked, but maybe there are too many characters. Well he, here's kind of what I think happens. Yeah. I think once T'Challa quote unquote dies and the movie then has to be carried by Nakia, Ramonda, um, Okoye, and Ross and yeah. Shuri for a little bit. Um, none of those characters are developed independent of T'Challa enough to really carry that. And yeah. they do try with Nakia, and this isn't me saying that that Nakia subplot fails by any means. And I, yeah. I will say one part of that that I love is that um, T'Challa's mother asks Nakia to take the heart-shaped herb. Which yeah. is, I love that that, that conversation is had yeah. because in other in other versions of this movie that is not even like a consideration. No, that's true. And as opposed that to Mbaku so getting it too, yes, which uh, it's like it is one of those things where it's like I can imagine the criticism of them going right to Mbaku without asking Nakia. Yeah, to take it. and Nakia's response also just kind of is makes sense. No, it, it makes sense. She's like, and she's like, I don't have an army. Yeah. And she's like, we need an army. Um, yeah. And Okoye would have been perfect, but she kind of is not quite on the team yet. Yeah, we should maybe um, we should maybe segue into Wakabi the Warhawk. Well, here's well, this is part of I, this is a good segue because it's part of what I think with like the too many characters thing. Not, not that I, but again, it's like it's not like I have this like plan of like oh here's who you take out. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I don't, but like. It is kind of a because thing all like, of those characters they make sense to exist and they yeah. all have their own purpose. Yeah, they do. They do. That's no. That's completely. I true. don't think one of them is extraneous by any means. I think what it is for me is that it's like having there's so many great actors in this movie that it feels like like and Wakabi is the best example. Mm-hmm. It's like Daniel Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya is, is a, another one of my is faves. A talent is a true talent and like. Wakabi is not that interesting. And it's not Daniel Kaluuya's fault. No, no. But, like, that's... I feel like there are shades of that to, like, Nakia and Koi, where it's, like, there could be more, but there isn't time. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying well, is... Well, especially but, when you have... You're right, with the yeah. talent that you have. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's, like, if these people were being... The, char- the yeah. writing of the characters, I don't think, lives up to the talent of the performers in some way. Yeah, that's probably the best way I could express it's just like well it's like all it's like I know all of I know all of these actors I know all these actors are incredible so yeah so I'm just like give them more give them all of them it is like all of them could be leads in other things yes um like easily Easily. all of them can be can lead their own film yeah it's you know like Denia Guerrero um Lupita Nyong'o of course um and Daniel Kaluuya yeah Kaluuya and Nyong'o both have led Peel projects. Yeah. Um, and have been incredible. Like, yeah. Again, you don't need to hear me say that they gave incredible performances in those movies. People felt that the Wakabi turn was like kind of too sudden. And honestly, on rewatch, I disagree because I 
because Wakabi is kind of clearly down to fight from the get go. In yeah. his first scene, he is like, no, "Why? Yeah. Why would we? Why would we take in refugees when we could just take over their country?" Well, he's like, "Refugees bring their problems." Yeah. Now, if yeah. you ask me and my war dogs to come in and clean the world up, fine. Of course, that's literally what he says. So, it, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Like, he's set up to to do what he does. Yeah. Um. um and and then it's it's doubly set up with the like. But again, it's like. I think the, that criticism comes more from a place of, like, frankly, I think that character is kind of thin. No, he is. Well, um, it is, like, from the get, like, yeah. the same reason why I think that turn is plentifully foreshadowed also is why it's kind of thin, just because he's yeah. basically always, like, look, say the word, and we're there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no. That's he, he's kind of cho- he's chomping at the bit a little bit. No, um, he and is. we kind of joked about that that when Killmonger showed up, he was basically immediately like, "Oh, this dude." This, he has good ideas. This I kind of like what this guy's saying. Interesting ideas, yeah. Yeah, <gasps> and because he cares kind of so little for those refugee for the refugees that they're talking about, it's clear that for Wakabi, it isn't even necessarily about global black liberation in the same way that it is. Killmonger yeah and so for Wakabi his Wakabi I think kind of represents this faction that is like we are more advanced we have all of these resources why why are we isolationist when we could be in charge yeah no yeah yeah um and then Okoye again on my first re on my first watch I was like that relationship seemed kind of like extraneous and like kind of weird and I don't really get it. Yeah. But upon rewatch, it makes sense because Okoye is not nearly as eager to get into international conflict as Wakabi, well, but yeah. she is much more, she's her allegiance to the monarchy. And well, that like, feels genuine. That, you know, she feels, I think she feels much more genuine and understanding. And she feels like she has an is. internal conflict that is genuine. Yes. No, um, the scene that it's her and Nakia, when Nakia's like, yo, we gotta bail right now. Come with me. She's like, no. And she's like, no. And they fight about it. That's a good scene. No, that is a good scene. That is a good scene. But part, yeah. part of the reason why with Akoya, I'm like, oh, you're so genuine about this conflict. Why are you still dating this dude? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Especially when it gets to the point where he is leading the charge against her warriors and the Jabari um, yeah. in that final act. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, we don't know what their relationship looks like after that, in fairness. No, yeah. Okay. No, that's that's true. We don't we don't see it. Yeah. BP two everybody. But, BP two. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's go down the list. What's the next? What's, do we have one more topic? Well, what about the CIA? Did we talk about the CIA yet? We haven't talked about the CIA. We haven't really talked about Ross yet. We haven't talked about Ross yet. Um, we've talked about the CIA briefly, kind of in that um, Jobu makes allusions to it, and um, Killmonger is a CIA asset. Yeah. Um, but Wait. we haven't talked about the CIA. One the actual CIA presence. Like, why are there two white? Well, not just that they're white, but the Thunderbolt Ross, and he's also named Ross. And it's not like they're not both in civil... They're both... They're, the two, they're both in civil war. They're the two government bureaucrats of civil war. That's actually kind of And they're funny. both named Ross. And I don't really know why. It must come from the comics. It must come um, from the comics. I wonder if... Like, there's no way they're supposed to be related, right? I don't think so. It's never... They're too thin. It's never brought up. <laughs> no, that's they, true. I don't know if they interact. No, that's um, true. I hadn't realized that before. Well, it's... Is Ross like a 
a first name for one of them? Or is it a surname for I both? I think it's a surname. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. But they both... You Ross is used for both of them. Yeah. And obviously Thunderbolt's Ross name... Well, it's, it's Mr. Secretary Ross and then yeah. Agent Ross. <laughs> yes. No, that is what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway. I think he's the secretary. I think he's some kind of secretary. At least by um, Infinity War he is because that's when Rhodey is talking yeah. to him. No, and he refers sure. to him as Mr. Secretary. No, that makes sense. So... This is another one of the things when it comes to this movie and its politics where it's like... Dude, the CIA, they shouldn't be here. Ross should not be here in the capacity that he is, no, I guess. No. No. Well, um, and he's, it's it's like, well, I mean, then the take is basically like, yeah, like this, well, it's like, at first, the CIA and Wakanda have, you know, conflicting but similar goals. Well, and Ross, um, I, Ross is kind of quietly arrogant Yes. Um, yes. 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 And he's very clearly arrogant, but in a in not a, not a boisterous way by yeah. any means. Um, but it's clear that he thinks like very little of Wakanda and has like bought into what Wakanda is selling about. Oh, himself. we should do a little bit about Clow. We didn't write that down. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we can talk about Clow well, and yeah, Ross, Ross at the same connected. time. Yeah. yeah. Clow's cool. Because at the same time, and this is similar. Um, Clow is like just blatantly. Racist. Cloud is racist. When I say Cloud, he's willing. Well, yeah. and I like Andy Circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, um, he is racist. No, he is racist, and he's like willing to um, just be kind of upfront about. Well, it's that one thing. Well, well Ross is ways, like but... kind of this movie portrays him as like redeemable because it's like it's almost um, like he doesn't know any better. It's just like it's like he doesn't know any. It's like he 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 like. He doesn't know any better. Like he thinks, but he's well intentioned. But he's well intentioned, and that's what's frustrating for me from the CIA angle yes. because I'm like, no one who works for the CIA, and in, is in, like, which is inherently involved in international politics, is like well intentioned. No, I no. mean I don't. And, and well, I, when you talk about things like you know, especially in a movie named after the Black Panther. I mean, not named after the Black Panthers, but it's. You cannot remove you the cannot, image of the Black no. Panthers, especially in Oakland. Especially with the Oakland connection. From yes. Black Panther. And yes. from a movie about global black liberation and arming yes. black people. And black oppression. And black oppression. And black nationalism. Yeah. Like, you, it's, it is a kind of a thing of, like, it is a little bit like the MCU and Disney being, like, you know, it is it is a kind of, not, not, it's like it's like whitewashing. Yeah. Um, not, but I I don't mean whitewashing like someone like a kid, like, like someone yeah. getting turned white. I mean like it's it's a whitewashing old, of history older, and of these yeah. kind of relationships. A cleaning up. A, yeah. A, a, a sterilization. Yes. Um, and 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 uh, a way to make this movie that is in some ways radical still convenient for mainstream American ideology. Yeah. Um. And that's, I think, really all there needs to be said about Ross, frankly. That, like, I mean, well, all I'll say is if that... You, unless you, if you have anything else to say, go well, for it. Well, I just like, think, like, Martin Freeman does... Well, it, I mean this in, like, a negative way, but in a negative way for kind of the movie, but... Well, a negative way for my, like, political feelings about the movie's political commentary, which is important to the movie. And yeah. Like, it affects my feelings about the movie, but it's like... All I'll say is, like, as, as, like, a, as like a critic, like, this is, like... I do think Martin Freeman sells it. I like he does a good American accent. Like I'm not. I don't. It doesn't even matter. Maybe, yeah. But like, I don't know. I I guess I just mean like the art. It's tainted by the fact that he's on the CIA. Yeah. But like it does like 
I don't know. It's 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 not entirely like it's not incompetently done. Yeah. It's it's successful. I guess that's what I'll say. Is it's like I don't like it, but it's not incompetent. Yeah. The way that it's it's the way that it's um, knitted into the film is not incompetently done, and it's it what it sets out to accomplish, which I don't agree with, is kind of successful. Yeah. Um, well, they make sure that he doesn't have too much going on in the final yeah. act. Um, yeah, um, he's basically playing a video game. He's basically just playing a video game. But he is there. <laughs> but he yeah. is there. Um, um, and what's interesting, I will say, too, also what's interesting about Ross um, and Clow, Claw, the Clow, yeah. um, well, together, yeah. is that Clow isn't... I can't. Is is it actually said claw or is it claw? Ulysses claw. I think um, it's claw, but we use those words interchangeably. Yeah. Um. um claw is never explicitly racist, to my memory, in the way that he is, except for when he's with Ross. Yes. And that's significant because he's working with Michael B. Jordan. I mean, actually, yeah. or actually, I do think he makes some sort of comment to Killmonger when they're yeah. getting on the helicopter. Um, or he's like, yeah, why would you go back to like Wakanda or something like that? This is a great, this is, well, not a great, but a good Andy Serkis performance. Wait, the yeah. last thing I will say about Ross, it's just that I do think Martin Freeman gives a good performance. Yeah. Um, or serviceable one. Not a great one, but I think it works. Like, he has these certain ticks. He shows that feel up. Real. Yeah, he shows up. He shows up for this. The effort is there. Yeah. Um, that's all. Yeah. Like, it's the politics of that character and what that character means to the politics of the film are different than my relationship with, like, Martin Freeman's portrayal. Yeah. But one matters more than the other. Yeah. That's obvious. Um, no, Cloud is really fun. Again, he's really racist. But, um... Well, he has, like, a SoundCloud, which is, He has like, a, a SoundCloud, and he has this, like, breathy, like, gasping laugh that yeah. is, like, intoxicating. Yeah. Like, He's very colorful. He, he's that's insane. what it is. He's, he's a very colorful. And character. he's crazy too. He's a sicko, a psycho, <laughs> and he's well, he's fun to watch on screen, yeah. very much so. Well, I remember from the trailer, there was something really cool about him being the one as like an enemy of Wakanda, like, like um, talking about them, like every moment. Like Cla- that's true. There is he's, a, he's the only one who knows the truth. He's the only outsider who knows the truth, um, and and like. The fact that he calls them savages anyway is, like, totally, like, a clear, like, oh, this man is, like, deeply yeah. racist. Well, and um, also, uh, not to talk about England twice in a day, yeah. um, but he's also British. Um, yeah. And that, you... Yeah. British colonialism is, like, yeah. connected to those things. And, and like, specifically yeah. the language of, like, savages. Yeah. Um, and the delineation between the people who are not British who live in Africa are savages, but we are not basically yeah. kind of um yeah there's not much more to it than that but like i yeah. it's not like a immensely deep thing but it is yeah. something that's like i think interesting to no it's not worthy yeah. yeah um but at the same time yeah andy circus andy circus is a really talented guy um it's it's even though he has the 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 sci-fi prosthetic um <laughs> after ultron cut his arm off on in a fit of rage but not intentionally um <laughs> gabagultron everybody but um <laughs> He he gives a, he gives he get Andy Circus is another one who get, kind of gives it his all in this movie mm-hmm. and it's 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 fun to watch Andy Circus not in any kind of CGI makeup. Yes, I will say that's it's fun. Yes, it's, it's fun to see him just act, just be a person. Yeah, like he does. Yeah, like it's it's cool. It's, yeah, it's a lot I wonder how he, I wonder if he was like, oh, thank God. 
I, well, I, th- I do think <laughs> no, he loves doing I, the other stuff. He does stuff. love doing the other stuff, but just thinking yeah. about all of the, like, work, like the makeup work that goes, yeah, not the true. makeup, but, you know, like, he's all so the good dots. At, I mean, he is, like, the, the poster boy of that. Like, someday... Gollum! Yeah, Gollum and our boy Snoke, um, <laughs> who, like... Snoke isn't even in TFA though. We're already talked about TFA. Yeah. But I do like. I do think he does a good job in TLJ. Um, no, I agree. I agree. He does what he needs to do. In well, TLJ. it's like that twist works not just because Adam Driver is selling it, but because Circus is selling it. Basically. Yes. He's selling Snoke's arrogance. Yeah, and <laughs> and frankly, if I'm this is my hottest take maybe, but like TLJ Snoke is better. Well. Is probably better. It's definitely better than Sheev and T Rose. That's fucking true. That's um, that's true. I'll give you that, man. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think he kind of stands shoulder to shoulder with Sheev in maybe the OT. Frankly, um, in T L J she T L J Snow kind of stands shoulder to shoulder to me with with Return. I I agree. Sheev. The difference is that like we never see Snow pretending to be a good guy. And, like, Sheev is wildly entertaining in the prequels. Yeah. And we never see Snoke do anything resembling that. So it's, like, not comparable. Snoke Um, isn't as amusing. No. Um, But, like, oh, God, the first Kylo scene in TLJ. If we get get started on TLJ, we'll go If we talk talk about Snoke, we're going to talk about Kylo. Someone that we also want to talk about, M'Baku. And also... I will say this is another thing that I really like about this movie, just kind of both politically and the way that it commits to Wakanda being a real place is that there is a tribe of Wakandans who kind of, or I'm not entirely sure how the tribal politics here work, but the, it's a tribe. They are a tribe of Wakandans who exist outside of um, like Wakandan governance. Yeah. Basically. The relationship um, is a little vague because they're clearly part of Wakanda still. Yeah, and um, they're still protected by its borders. And like, since Mbaku can vie for the throne, he's not seen as like an outsider. He's not a complete outsider. outsider. But they do have a different relationship than the rest of the kingdoms. Well, and what it is, and what's like so cool about it to me is when T'Challa shows up, uh, or when. M'Baku saves T'Challa's life. Um, and when T'Challa talks to M'Baku and is like, are you guys going to help me out? Like, what's going on? T'Challa realizes it's not just his relationship with the outside world or Wakanda's relationship with the outside world that needs to change. It's their relationship with people within their own country. Yeah. Because M'Baku was like, you are the first king to yeah. have come here. Yeah. And that matters to me. No, um, it matters to me both in that it kind of endears you to me, but also... Your ancestors were wrong in other ways. And you're only showing up because you and you're need all, me. Because you need it. And that's yeah. why initially he doesn't, he says, not I'm not interested. He's not interested. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I will say for as much as this movie, as much as you can kind of critique this movie for having a lot of characters, M'Baku is like ranked like towards the bottom of how, of like how important the movie places mm-hmm. his character. Like he... Like, I don't, I don't mean to do that to you. Well, but it's like, he, he comes through. He works he, really he, well. He comes through. And well, and what it is is, like, he's re- he's kind of towards the bottom because he shows up. He demonstrates how the trial works. He demonstrates... He's yeah. there to demonstrate how the trial works and how skilled T'Challa is. And then he's gone. Um, he's then sick he, in that scene, He's too. sick in that scene. That's a phenomenal fight. Um, yeah. Then his people save T'Challa, and he's clearly the... He's the contingency plan for Nakia and the monarchy... Um, or the royal family. Um, and then he shows up at the end with his army. So he, so his role in the film is 
it's not just a plot device, um, but we also don't know why Mbaki changes his mind. And that was something when I first saw the film, I kind of had that I was like, I wish we had the scene where yeah. I kind of have my my pet theory, and I've kind of always had this idea was yeah. that it's T'Challa's mother who. No, like, I was thinking because that. She, yeah. because she's left there. Yeah. So I'm always like, so when I left that movie, I was like, that has to be a deleted. Well, does scene. she have some information about what T'Chaka's feeling were or her own feelings yeah. on T'Chaka's relationship with the Jabari tribe? Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting. Sorry, I called them kingdoms earlier. They are tribes. Yeah. No, I that I would have liked that scene as well. I would have liked that scene. Um, but it, it the movie still works without it. But, no, um, totally. Yeah, Baku is like he's this cool combination of like cool and funny and. Well, when like, he when and he's like a vegetarian. No, I mean the scene <laughs> when with he Ross jokes about that. is really funny. Like <laughs> we will eat you, and he's like, no, we are, we are vegetarians. But it's very funny because the gag is obviously the like. You know, you know the, re- the only- of course they would never eat them, but like it is funny that that's like we would eat you if we ate meat. Like that's funny. <laughs> no, that's yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and like, Mbaku was someone who everyone left that movie and was like, that dude no, is he, sick as fucking. No, love him. I, I we don't have a unique take about him. No, not He's at all. Delightful. Well, and that's that's honestly interior. why he shows up in Infinity War. I, oh, I'm certainly. Um, well, it's like yeah, no, no, seriously, like Nakia doesn't show up. No, that's um, true. Infinity War. Okoye does. Okoye does. Okoye Shuri certainly. does. And Baku does. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure that he showed up because he was just so popular. Yeah. Um, well, because I do remember hearing that they were adding more Wakanda stuff into Infinity War um, oh, after of how the crazy response successful. of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah, wait, and, and yeah, it makes sense given that like um, Wakanda features so heavily in the really the final act of that movie and like how heavily it is featured. But yeah, no, we don't have a we don't have a unique Mbaku take. Um, yeah, but he's sick as fuck. He's no, so he's fun. really sick. He's and really Winston sick. Duke. Um, is also a great actor. Um, he's yeah. he's also in Us. Um, oh yeah. He's another one, of, and and obviously all of the actors in Us, if you know the premise, um, play another kind of. They play yeah. two roles. Yeah. He's great in both. No, I believe it. He's great. I completely believe it. No, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. So wait, we have the third act to talk about. We have the third act, and then if we want to brief, we've kind of talked about Oakland, and we've talked yeah. about Ryan Coogler too. But if we want to ever like circle back to that, there's that about, there's a, a little bit more to, to talk end. about. I think yeah. so too because the movie ends there. Yeah, that no, we'll talk about the ending scene at the end. And we'll talk about Oakland at the end. No, it sounds cool. So here's what I'll say: the Mbaku with the third act, the Mbaku T'Challa fight is really cool and fantastic. The trial fight that Killmonger wins, also sick as fuck. Sick as fuck. He's brutal um, in that. The two Black Panther suits fights, this there's too much CGI and the CGI isn't that good. Yeah. Um, and it's not that exciting. Yeah. Um, I don't have much more to say than that. You know, you have to. It's this is a podcast, so. You have to kind of yeah, watch yeah. that fight. Yeah, these are all very visual. The the fights are very visual, of course, but um, it it is it is a thing of like that last fight is just, it's just that the CGI isn't that great, and I'm not a fan of CGI fights most of the time. Well, for me, it, it um it kind of goes twofold. Um, first of all, the reason why those like the fights for kingship are so fun, I think, and work so well, is because it's just dudes brawling. Yeah, and they don't have suits. No, I it's agree. supposed to be just bare bones, like 
That's why um, it's cool. Yeah, we're gonna take knives. We're gonna take um, like I think sometimes I love there's like a spear. Weapon. Obaku there's has a that thing that's like it's a club on one side and a spear on the other. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah, and Obaku is clearly so familiar with it. Yes, oh, definitely. And like there, and it ends up being becoming wrestling at some point. Yeah, ooh, um, I love that. No, it's no. like MMA. No, it's super yeah. fun. Um, versus when they both have panther suits, it's like we're both gonna do Black Panther things. T'Challa going like yield, man. That's yes. another one that sticks in. That's another noise that sticks in. Your people head. need you. Your people need you. No. Yield. It's, hard, uh, it's hard for a good man to be king, but T'Challa tries. Um, no, and it's like the fact that Mbaku, like, you are, like, that moment has a lot of tension because mm-hmm. it's like, is Mbaku going to yield? Because he keeps pushing it and pushing it. Yeah. And he doesn't, this is not a man who walks in thinking you think of as being someone who will yield. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he does, again, it's like what Mbaku is and that T'Challa beats him gives T'Challa this certain, like, T'Challa is like, like he's earned the kingship. Well, the fact that he's not wearing the panther suit when that happens, I think, is yeah. definitely supposed to be a signal to us that like, it is not the panther suit that makes this guy good at fighting or makes him special. Yeah. Um, and so that fight really solidifies that. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the two panther suits is, and again, we t- I, I talked to you a little bit about this while we were actually watching the movie, the golden jaguar suit. Is not a golden jaguar suit. Yeah, it's a black panther suit with some with gold in it. With such with such little gold. And I gold. and I get that the reason why it happens is be or why it's designed that way yeah. is because Shuri leaves, and so all that Killmonger has is the technology she's left behind. Yeah. Um. And like there are parts of that design that I enjoy, but it's still it's just two it's two different it's two black panther suits. They yeah. don't have different abilities. Um, they just yeah. look a little different from one another, basically. No, yeah, no, that's true. One thing I'll say, uh, this is the other thing I want to say about the T'Challa-Killmonger fight. That's the trial. Um, that's like the bare bones. Mm-hmm. Neither of them have powers fight. It's like a lot of that scene, and it comes back with the like jury stuff, the Zuri stuff, is that it's like the weight of T'Chaka's failure and mm. T'Challa's blindness to that failure is what makes him lose the fight. Yeah, there's like a thematic resonance to that that makes it work really well. Yeah. And so it's like, it, it, again, it's like in any good like movie fight, it, it does feel like the per- it's like any great movie fight, it's like the person who should win wins for move- reasons that have been set up. Yeah. Um, and I think that fight also has that. And I think that really illuminates for me. I think the one of the issues with the T'Challa Killmonger final fight scene is there's not really an emotional reason for T'Challa to win. No. Um, it's just, this is, it, it does feel kind of like the, the time is, it's, yeah. it's the, it's, we're getting to the end of the movie. And they're not really fighting about like ideas or positions at that point. I mean, they kind of are because fundamentally T'Challa is fighting to stop Killmonger yeah. from doing specific things and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's not like those fights for kingship, even though it is a fight for kingship. Yeah. Basically. Um, which is no. what's strange about it. No, yeah, well, and it is just, like, it is, like, it, I think also it's, like, that fight as compared to the two previous mm-hmm. trial fights, it's just so much less interesting. Yeah. Because it's not as physical. Yeah. Um, and it is all CGI. And it, and it is, like, you, you can't have the final fight be worse than two previous fights in the movie. Yeah. And it is. It is. But, um, that being said... T'Challa and Killmonger's scene together after the yes. fight is spectacular. No, no, it's it's a wonderfully moving scene. And something I 
recognized upon rewatch. I keep saying that, but I realized a lot about this movie just kind of like having distance from it for a while and then engaging with it again. Um, when the there's the line, really the iconic line that um, Killmonger has when he requests to be buried in the sea, like his ancestors who chose um, drowning or oh, slavery. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says that in response to. T'Challa to the idea that T'Challa could save him so that he could be so that he could rot in prison in Killmonger's eyes and that parallel is significant I think no um, it is because of the reality of um what prison is for black Americans yeah basically um and so that was a that's it's a very small parallel and I I I I do kind of believe it's intentional but I I maybe I'm reading a little too much into it I don't know. Um, I, I I can't tell either. Yeah, it, it might not be. It's it's well it's kind of in big like yeah. yeah. But um no, it's it's a it's a wonderful moment. And there and he does have the line where he is like, imagine a kid from Oakland believing in fairy tales. Like Wakanda was still a fairy tale to him as a kid. Yeah. And what's so tragic is that should not have been the case because he was Wakandan. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. No, and there's all sorts of, of resonance. Yeah. That. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about that scene before we... No, I don't think I do. If only because, well, I'm a little drunk. But it is a little bit like, you know, it's a great scene. I can only talk about it to certain lengths before it's like, he's still a white guy. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, it's it's not a scene, like, it's not yeah. a scene that's written for, like, our emotional resonance. I mean, I, yeah. I don't... I believe that... It's still like I don't believe that Ryan Coogler was like I hope like uh, yeah 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 I it's like it's a scene that's supposed to land with everyone yeah but it's also like the history of slavery is very specific and it's not something that um yeah we yeah no yeah I yeah there's yeah I get what you mean yeah no yeah so but I don't mean like it's like it's it's similar to Ragnarok's engagement with um colonialism and that it's like. But the I work say, speaks for itself. No, that's no exactly. But the thing about Ragnarok is because of its dealing with like Asgard and Norse mythology, it, it is kind of for white people. That's true. Ways. That's true. Um, not entirely. Yes. I don't want to. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, maybe that's maybe that's going too far. But like, mm-hmm. there is an element to which it's like Thor is clearly white. Yeah. And it is his perspective. Well, and like um, because it's about Norse mythology. Um, yeah. And well, it's like the parallel. It, Asgard, in a lot of ways, parallels England and America yes. much more, or much yes. more closely than just it's, like it's kind of about a white person's relationship with their country's imperial. Colonial yes, history. and realizing that yes. imperial colonial past. Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, yeah. So Black Panther isn't that. No, yeah. Um, it's it's dealing with colonialism in a different way. Yeah, which it should. Yeah, and does successfully. And, uh, so yeah, we'll bring it back to Oakland because we're. We're in Berkeley. Yeah. Not too far away. Not too far away. Um, and um, Killmonger's from Harlem in the comics. And, yeah. But he's from Oakland in this movie. No, and I, I'm an East, you know, Sasha's from Nashville. I'm an East Bay native. I'm from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked that. I really liked that it that it brought it back to Oakland. I mean, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from Harlem. Um, no, yeah. I, well, Har- and Harlem has its, like... And a little there, anecdote... There are reasons for it to be in Harlem, certainly, but... Yeah. It's Ryan Coogler's relationship with no, Oakland. I mean, I was... Also, Oakland is where the Black Panthers are from. No, and yeah, that's cool. Um, no, I was like in Harlem. I was, I, I showed, the first time I saw Black Panther, I showed up late. I showed up right before the trial with M'Baku. Um, Damn. 
because I remember. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, because I I fucked up the trains. Um, but I was in Harlem like a couple hours previous, and I I was like, not that that means that much, but yeah. I thought it was gonna have more to do with Harlem than it wound up having to do with other places, mm-hmm. which is like closer where I'm from. Yeah. Um, well, that's funny because you missed the opening sequence, I did. which is so it's like. Yeah, but the last scene is also very much like Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um. And I will say it's it's just cool. I like anything that that kind of puts a spotlight on Oakland because it's it's such a beautiful city that gets kind of uh, fucked over by being by its proximity to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, case in point, the Warriors. The Warriors. The Warriors is is a is a perfect. Well, and it's like for for listeners, Michael and I are both. Dubs fans. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm we are both anti yeah. the move. I'm I'm a recent dub. I'm a recent because yeah. I only got into the NBA recently. Yeah. Um, and Nashville not too recently now. Not too recently now. Um, and yeah. Nashville doesn't have a home team. Um, yeah. So um, and since Michael was the one who got me into basketball, I'm loyal dubs. to the Dubs. Loyal to them. And I live here now. I love um, Dubs. Um, I I love Oracle Arena. I saw Steph in 2013 playing Oracle. And I think the move to San Francisco is disgusting. I'm still yeah. a Dubs fan. They represent the Bay. And, like, I know people from Oakland are still going to be rooting for the Dubs. Yeah. And, like, they won three championships. Like, they won three championships in Oakland before they in left. The Unfortunately, that last season they were in Oakland, they didn't get it. But it's, like, the, the, the greatest years of Warriors basketball were in Oakland. Yeah. Um, but not, not, this is not the Warriors podcast. That, that's, no, no. That is a, a potentially different podcast. Yeah. But, um... Although... One last quick thing. Shout out to Damian Lillard. Shout out to Damian. Yeah. Who, who is voting also against the change. Yeah. No, that's worth noting. Yeah. Respect to Dame. Respect Dame. Um, I watched this. Not like, that you, we should all become Portland fans. We should still be Warriors yeah. fans, but respect to Dame. No, um, I watched this, like, I. it might have been, like, GQ or something video um, where yeah. he went over his tattoos, and, like, basically all of them are, like, so, are yeah. some sort of connection to Oakland in his home like town yeah and like i want to i want to like like i do want to point out it's like yeah i'm like an upper middle class white boy from berkeley Mm -hmm. and that's not the same as being black and from oakland yeah not at all but i just i have a love for the east bay generally um that that does mean something to me yeah um and so i like and so black panther yeah those moments all hit like yeah it's like the return to the return return to oakland Oakland. it is well and i will say Given the San Francisco connection and the like, the technology thing, it's um I don't like it's fun that or I don't know if it's fun or funny, but um I don't really know what to think about it. But it's interesting that Sherry is like this like tech like technology like yeah. wizard. Um, like she's like I think like yeah. word of God is that she's like better than Tony with this stuff. I believe. Um, yeah. and um, she shows up to establish like T'Challa's like T'Challa basically makes her he's like you're gonna have to do this for like a summer it seems like yeah um she seems kind of disappointed about it but um she's gonna like presumably set up like kind of like a technology outpost in Oakland no I think no that's definitely what's happening yeah which is um, like I mean no, when really you're thinking cool. about like what San well, Francisco well, no what they specifically say is that the Wakandan embassy the first international Wakandan outreach center I believe it's called mm-hmm will be in Oakland. So, like, the first international anything that Wakanda is doing openly with, like, what their technology yeah. is, is happening in Oakland. Yes. And, is... like, and that thematically resonates throughout, like, the yes. fact that it's in Oakland is resonant because of the entire movie. Yes. No, exactly. It's yeah. built in because of, because... Yobu and Killmonger. Because T'Chaka abandoned 
T'Chaka abandoned. Well, it's well, it is a thing of like the T'Chaka abandoning Njobu and Killmonger, or killing Njobu and abandoning Killmonger, is is meant to be a thematic commentary on Wakanda abandoning Black America. Mm -hmm. Um, Very definitively. And the movie, Um, I will say, the movie also, the movie is also frequently. talking about like they it frequently talks about black people worldwide too like yeah they're always like the diaspora worldwide yeah um and then but the oakland is like has to do with the ryan Coogler yes but it, it, but it is also specifically about black america as well yeah and frankly like on top of that it is like michael b jordan was the man who played oscar grant yeah no like, which that's, again that's related to fruitvale station um yeah, yeah um like that like I you know I grew up around that and like that's real yeah that's real it's real that this movie is the it's the RCU of it all and yeah. it's like the RCU's relationship with Oakland mm-hmm. and so it's like I do like the change to make it Oakland for those who don't know because I I didn't know this because I was still I'll, I think like ten when this happened and yeah. I was in a completely different part of the country yeah. Oscar Grant was a black man murdered by BART police on New Year's Day in maybe two thousand nine. 2008, God, was it 2000, probably 2009. I think that's right. I can't remember the exact year, but it was when we were, yeah, like about yeah. nine years old. Um, yeah. And Fruitvale Station, which was Coogler's debut, was about Oscar Grant's last days, in which Michael B. Jordan no, was a, it was No, it was a huge deal here, and yeah. it was pre, like, the Black Lives Matter slogan, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a Black Lives Matter moment. Or... Yeah, well, because it was, fil- if it was filmed on a flip phone, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, uh, Johannes Meserly, um, yeah, murdered Oscar Grant on a New Year's Eve or day, um, mm-hmm. it was at night. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, you know, it was a murder. And, yeah, um, and yeah, yeah, just but, um, wanted to But it was a huge, it was a huge moment in, in the East Bay. And, um, in I'll, Oakland. yeah, and, and I'll, and yeah. I'll also say, um, Ryan Coogler's father, um, I can't remember what it's specifically that he does. He is involved in, like, um, God, I can't remember if it's, like, he helps with probation work or yeah. he he's involved in community service in Oakland, and Ryan Coogler is as well. No, that's fantastic. Um, well, it is, like, a thing of, like, I used to pass by, I started in high school, I passed by Fruitvale Station all the time. Like, that is not far away from yeah. me. So it's, like, it does have, I mean, it, it is this, this specific Kind of, I don't, you know, it shouldn't matter that it's close yeah. to you, but it does ha- take on this specific kind of horrifying when it is. Yeah. Kind of, no, know. no, it makes it makes sense. Um, yeah. and this this movie is, I, I I think you're correct in saying that this movie is like the most politically like rich movie in the MCU. Oh yeah. And it's honestly oh, one of yeah. the most. It's probably top three. Just like, it's one of the richest movies in the MCU. Not aside from politics, but including things other than politics as well. Yeah. No, this movie fucking holds up. Oh, there was yeah, one thing that we didn't talk about. Um, I don't know if we'll... We might, we might just cut this out or edit this out. Um, the monarchy. Yeah. This was another thing that rewatching this movie... I guess what I'll say is I hope that the Black Panther trilogy ends with the monarch... With the dissolution of the monarchy. That feels realistic, but... Yeah, I mean, like, here's my thing. Like, I'm not about to, like... I'm not about yeah. to shit on, like, an African, like... Like, on Wakanda? On, on, on the Wakandan monarchy. Yeah. But, 
for me, so many of these, so many of the issues and conversations they were having about the fact that Killmonger took over their country were dancing around the fact that yeah. he could take over their country because it was a monarchy. Yeah. And that isn't to say he couldn't have done it if it was a different system, yeah. but he had a very easy time about it. Well, it's like the monarch. it's like for me, it's like a thing of like the monarchy has so much to do with like how the plot exists in this mm-hmm. movie and like certain plot points in this movie, like all, like those trials are all about the monarchy. And like, so it's like a little bit of it, a little bit of it is like, kind of movie magic. No, and that's like, and the monarchy is kind of what feels fantasy about this movie to me. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I, I almost I almost like it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm also like, when are we gonna talk about this, basically? Yeah. Well not while I was watching the movie I was also like, is this a constitutional monarchy? Like what what did it, because yeah. there's clearly some sort of representative well, system clear, with the yeah. tribal um yeah. like um elders who sit in a circle with T'Challa and go over issues with him. Yeah. Um, but it is like, it, it does seem like he kind of has an absolute say over, over what's going to happen. Certainly over international and military affairs. Yes. yes. Um, and specifically because he's also the Black Panther, which is kind of their like intelligence operation. No, that's ways. true. That's true. Um, yeah. I mean like, I'm, yeah, again, like it's not a huge issue I have with the movie, but it does, it's not, it and does, it's not, it's not by, it's not the film's like, most problematic political element yeah. is what I'll say. Not when like Agent Ross exists, and no. not when the Killmonger, um, re- like not when the rendering of Killmonger is as uh, as we've already, as messy as it is. Basically, yeah. yeah, like no, I I agree. So my hope for this move, my hope for this trilogy is that we see, or it maybe it honestly I could live with a constitutional monarchy if they just explicitly said that happened. Maybe. Yeah, um, is basically just it, but. I don't really have much more to say about that, but... Yeah. I no, I mean, it's, like, a thing of, like, I don't... Yeah, I don't, like, hate on Wakanda for being a monarchy that much. But, again, because they are partially because they're fictional. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, like... Oh, well, yeah, it's not a movie about, like, the Queen of England or something. No, yeah, like... Who I also hate. Yes. Not yeah. not that I hate, not... Yeah, the word also... But, like, it, but. it does it does kind of... Uh, Just so people know, it, I don't it does, stand it, for it perhaps <laughs> puts a cap on the 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 you, you you black panther has a wonderfully complex rich political commentary compared to any other mc mm-hmm. movie but that's kind of a little bar if you're looking for like a radical movie dictum like it's it's not quite that but it also does a better job of having much more much more mass appeal than even a movie as successful as, like, Parasite. No, that's really true. Um, that's really true. And that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Um, and it, it has, like, these material effects on, like, American culture that are very positive. Well, I mean, like, the way that, like, the way that Wakanda Forever was, like, yeah. a huge part of just, like, um, people talk. Oh, it's like <laughs> your uncle was, like, yeah. my two... Uh, or he was like these two black tennis players who I follow like do the Wakanda thing. That was the one thing he had to say about the or not the one thing. Yeah. That was one of the things he had to say about the movie when he watched it. Yeah. But um no, yeah. no, just like the um also like um another thing that um came along with this movie was the companion album too. Oh which yes. was it's significant to note that this was the companion album oh, was part. produced and put together by King Kirk Lamar. It's very significant. Who is also um regarded as kind of being um He's a very he's very popular for being a very conscious black rapper 
who is very interested in like the politics of yeah. what's going on in America and specifically his life. He's also popular because his song is fucking slap. No, that's no, I don't, I don't want to. No, of course, that, I know you know that. But yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> for people who don't know me, I'm a big fan of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Um, of yeah, so but it's significant that he's it's it's significant kind of in the same way that it's significant that Beyonce put together the Lion King companion album basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and like all the stars at the end. Is all the lot. stars. It's a lot of fun. I love all, all the stars. The dominated the radio, and honestly, it deserved it. Maybe the lights. <laughs> I don't always know what she's saying. I'll cop to that. But yeah. well, um, something that uh, one of my friends all joked about was all the stars are kosher. What is she um, actually saying? Do we know? All the stars are closer, but it all sounds like all the stars are, are kosher. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, <laughs> but sad. yeah, that album. Uh, you again. You don't need me. To tell you that 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 is a good companion album. But. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're walking out, like anytime well, if you see the, Black Panther in the it's theater, it's the first MCU companion album, and I think basically the only one. Yeah, um, it no. was for this movie. <laughs> yeah, and but okay, well, yeah. Before we talk about the last thing, I'll say is like the companion album slaps, um, but also like just the score. The score is beautiful. The score is gorgeous. Well, again, same guy who did Creed. I listened to the Creed score. For months my junior year I would, but that I was my love the, the the implementation of the traditional African uh, yes sounds. well and um the composer is Swedish if I remember correctly interesting. Too, which is interesting yeah. um also the composer for Community oh um, makes sense Community also has great scores no he's and he's done a few other films that are like also pretty good great I love I love Community score yeah yeah um, no community score. All I hope he. Re- I hope he remains part of the Coogler B. Jordan cinematic universe. I'd be down. The RCU. But um, yeah, the the specific Black Panther like score is kind of a feat. Um, it is. Yeah. Okay. I think we can. I think we, we can, can cap it. There's there, a lot yeah. to talk about. There's a lot movie. to talk about. We could talk about it forever. Yeah, that's probably true. You have just listened to the Goblin's Creek, the one-stop shop for all of your genre media streaming. On streaming review needs. On streaming review needs. Unless it's not on streaming yet, which hopefully it will happens. be. Sometimes we review stuff that sometimes we review stuff that we just have on DVD. Yeah. This is the Goblins Creek once again. Tell all your friends about it, because it's your one-stop shop for <laughs> genre media on, genre streaming, media on streaming being reviewed by two goblins. Two goblins. We're actual goblins. <laughs>